So, Justin, when you guys came back from, from Columbia, you had something that happened that was pretty, uh, I mean, it was, it was crazy. You had something with a neighbor. You want to talk about that? Um, yeah. Well, so when we came back to the States, my parents stayed on as missionaries, but they switched to a different group called American Missionary Fellowship. Um, which is basically working within the United States, uh, doing Sunday schools, uh, small churches, different things like that. Um, so what ended up happening is I was 14 at the time, and I went with my parents to their annual uh, conference, right? So all the missionaries in the regions, all the directors, they all get together, um, talk about the upcoming stuff going on for the year, uh, different fiscal things, just different business things that have to occur within within an organization like that. And I was able to go with them this year, so I was pretty excited. Um, we stayed in different dormitories. Uh, every group kind of had their own. Uh, so I was staying with my parents. It was just me, my mom, and my dad um, in our group. And right next to us was the end uh, room dormitory. And there was a gentleman there uh, from Chicago, one of our single men missionaries. And he had brought a young man with him um, from his mission field. Um, and a couple days into it, uh, we had started hearing a lot of noises coming from their room. And we just assumed it was wrestling, just some guys horsing around, you know, maybe just, just rough housing, uh, just having fun. Um, and then one night, uh, there was a knock on the door, and this gentleman had to come over to ask my dad for some help. Um, didn't know what was going on. You know, I was in my room sleeping. This was probably about 1 or 2 in the morning. So my dad left, and, and I fell back asleep. I uh, didn't really know what happened from there. Uh, but then the next day, my dad pulls me aside and, and is talking to me. Um, and he tells me that they believe this uh, guy that came with the missionary friend who was staying next door uh, was possessed, um, demon-possessed. Um, a, a lot of people in the Christian faith have a hard time talking about that or understanding it. But being raised the way I was raised, knowing that the spiritual world is real and, and is, is there, um, didn't have an issue with that. I mean, we talked about it and we prayed about it and my dad had helped exercise some of the demons from this gentleman. Um, I'm not going to use his name, a really nice guy. It was really weird to hear this about this guy. Um, but you know, that was it. We thought it was said and done at that point. Uh, went about our day as I was doing things I was helping caring for some of the younger kids that kind of drafted me as kind of a Sunday school babysitter for some of the younger kids that were there. Um, this gentleman had come walking by our group as we were playing and I looked over at him and he looked at me and his eyes were pitch black. Um, and it was very scary at that point. It was, it was, you could feel the wrongness uh, about him. I would see even the evilness as I looked into his eyes and I just kind of looked away and I was really shooken up. Um, one of my young friends that was with me, a, a young lady there, she was 12, asked me, and I, I told her what was going on. And so we stopped and prayed for this young man. Um, later on that night, uh, same thing happened. There was a lot of noise from next door. They came over. Uh, my dad recruited a few of the other elder uh, Christians within the missionary group to go over uh, next door. And they told me what happened the next day as they performed uh, exorcism rites over this gentleman again. Um, and they were pulling out several demons, um, many, many, many demons that night. It just couldn't even give me a number. Um, but what was weird is, is just the way he described it to me, the way he was telling me about it, how they would take one out, they would draw the demon out, 
Um, the guy would go at peace and rest for a few minutes, but then another one would surface. Um, and they, they weren't like name demons. He said that like I see in the movies where they have, you know, Azazel or whatever, they have these names. Um, they, they called themselves after the traits, uh, mockery, deceit, blasphemy, uh, different things like that. And then as they surfaced, these traits would come up. So if it was the demon of mockery, he would start mocking everybody in the room. If it was blasphemy, he'd be blaspheming the name of the Lord, um, different things like that. So this went on throughout the whole night. Um, again, I was asleep. I was 14. I wasn't involved in it directly. My dad, my dad was there with it all. Um, he described a little bit of that night to me, not a whole lot. I think that's when, that's when things got really intense for him during that whole, whole scenario. Um, and it was weird because during the day, you know, life would be going on. They'd be having a conference and at night they were just doing, you know, struggling with this battle. Um, but the very next day, the, the mood across the campus was definitely more somber. Um, I remember at one point during the day, again, I was with the, the younger classmates. Um, and you could hear uh, this, this gentleman screaming over the, the campus, over the hills and stuff. Um, it, it was the most unnatural man screaming and just utter despair and pain and 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 it was you could feel the emotion and then just the wrongness behind it, it was it was intense <laughs> it's about the only word i could do you could feel it um and that night my dad had told me that they had been speaking with him this, this young man um and finding out more about what happened and come to find out he was the son of a, a wealthy businessman who had sent him to a boarding school. Uh, I believe it was of Puerto Rico. Um, and while he was there, he got mixed up within voodoo and, and black magic and, and demonology and all that kind of stuff and openly invited these demons uh, to take him over um, and give him powers that, uh, that he wanted and, and, it was just an open invitation for him. That's how he became possessed in the first place. Um, he was given demonstrations of, of some of the things that he could do to prove that he wasn't just, you know, a crackpot. Um, and my dad said one of the things that he, he did that my dad actually saw was he made the fans in, in the mess hall where they were talking actually stop turning the direction completely and then start spinning the opposite direction. So they were going clockwise and he stopped them and they started turning counterclockwise um, as a demonstration of his uh, powers over the physical world. Um, he also claimed the ability to have any woman that he wanted, um, regardless of who she was. If he somehow claimed her, he could have her as, as, as a mate. Um, so those are the two powers that my dad said he specifically told them about. Um, at this point, they thought that the exorcisms had been completely successful. Uh, the young man told demeanor had changed. He was happy. He was smiling. Um, he had a con confessed uh, a profession in the Lord Jesus Christ as a savior. Um, so everybody was happy. There, there was, you know, everybody was excited. There was, there was a celebration in the air. Um, that night also happened to be the last full night of the conference that we were there. And in tradition of what they would do is we all went out to eat. Uh, it was a pizza hut. So we're all sitting around this pizza hut. This young man is with us. There's probably about 20 or 30 of us in the group. Um, I'm sitting next to my young lady friend again, and my mom is there with us. And, and we're all just talking and having a good time. Uh, this particular guy is 
uh, seated across the aisle from me and one booth back from the table I was at. Um, so we could see him and he was part of the conversation going back and forth. Um, at one point, I looked over at him and noticed that his head was down um, on his arms, like his arms were folded across the table and his head was down like he was sleeping or, or had a headache or something that was wrong. He was just real still and quiet. And my mom noticed too, and she yelled over to him and said, hey, you know, with his name and, you know, what's going on? Are you all right? And he looked up again and his eyes were pitch black again. Um, and it, it's not black like your TV screen when it's turned off. It's hollowed. It, it's empty. It's a void. Um, there, There's a depth there. You, you know what I mean? It's not just like, like an animal, like a shark or a snake. It's not just black and glossy. It was, it was void. Um, there was no white. There was nothing. It was just void. Um, never seen anything like it before. Um, but my mom noticed it at that point, and she immediately told us to pray, got my dad's attention. Um, and at this point, this gentleman stood up and ran for the door. Um, and the moment he touched the door handle, the, all the lights in the building went out, and there was a huge thunderclap overhead, and a storm broke out. Um, and, I, and I mean the moment. It wasn't as he was running to it. It wasn't when he opened the door. It was the moment his hand touched that door handle. It, it's like everything just exploded and the lights went out. In that flash. Um, yeah, it, well, it was dark. Like, all the lights just dropped. And a huge clap of thunder that shook the building um, at that, that same instant. Um, all of us that were there that, that kind of had an was going on, we knew it was all related, right, to, to this guy. Everybody else thought, oh, it's just a storm and a power outage. But, I mean, we, we knew what was going on with it. Um, we were all quickly bundled up and, and brought back to the campus. It was over. Um, my dad and several of the other gentlemen that had been working with him uh, stayed in the parking lot with him and prayed in the rain, uh, apparently for hours. And then the spiritual battle continued throughout that night um, into the next day. Um, when it was time to leave at this point, my dad refused to tell me anything about it anymore. Um, I can only assume it was even more intense, uh, more draining, more, more just spiritual warfare than, and, and he was finally, finally had reached his point of what he could discuss and just had to deal with it on his own. Um, but then after that night, we just kind of packed up and went home and, and that was the, end of the experience. Uh, but though those few days was, was probably some of the most intense when it came to my, my spiritual awakening um, as to what was going on in the real world. And it was hard, hard to cope with and hard to deal with because seeing some of that stuff firsthand and then hearing what my dad had to tell me about it um, and looking into the eyes and then seeing this for myself uh, really made a huge impact on me and my, my future life for sure. Well, Justin, one of the things that, <clears throat> that I know, that okay two things i'll start with the names okay i know that during possession demon possession exorcisms it's important that that they actually find the names of these uh entities so for right. them to only just say yeah i'm mockery i'm this i'm that that's actually a mockery in of itself because they have names and their right. name is what gives it power and uh, Christians, a lot of Christians have a very narrow view of what we're dealing with, and I believe that that kind of right. that kind of handcuffs them in in a way of dealing with these things because they think that everything demonic is actually just a rebellious angel, 
Like, because uh, because all they're working with is what they have in the limited uh, confines of the King James version. And right. I, I think that that actually is it has by, I guess, nature of the church in the early days. You know, with with the Catholic Church in particular, the early days. I believe that it it has taken away tools or weapons that we have at our disposal to know what we're dealing with, um, because there are two different things. There there are the rebellious angels, which would be Lucifer and his band. That that and then you have their names and what they did and what they do and whatever. They are, for all intents and purposes, are a type of angel. Those are angels. But then you have Absolutely. typically what you're dealing with in possession is not one of them. What you're right. dealing with in possession is a lower level entity, typically. Now it can be a rebellious angel, but it's typically a, one of the fallen angels' children. What I mean by fallen angel is the Watchers, the 200 Watchers right. that were set up on the earth, and they are not what you're dealing with. That you're dealing with their children or their children's children, which are the Nephilim, and right? When, the spiritual offspring, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And when they were wiped out, they became evil spirits for all time. So what you're dealing with is a those entities in particular, they, and they are what is possessing you. And so, you know, when you when you come out of the gate and you don't even know what you're fighting, you know, and you don't even know that you're in a fight, you're going to get punched and kicked and hit before you're even, you know. I see that with Christians all all around the world when they don't even realize who their real enemies are as people. No. And they don't even know well, who they're they real. they don't understand they don't even understand the rules of engagement, let alone who their enemy is. No, not at all. And, and you know, and they'll argue and fuss with you because of the words yeah. that are written in the King James Version that they interpret. And, and, and it's all based on their preachers and different people's interpretations that will tell them these things. And so the power of Christ is a very powerful thing. What people what I want to say, though, about this possession phenomena, and it's very important, is that. When you are, this is the second thing I was going to say, when you are possessed or when you have been obsessed upon or when, and it's been by your own volition, you have allowed it to happen, it never really goes away. Once it, it, it is upon you, okay, what, once it takes someone, there's a, there's a good chance that it will continue to return and return and return. And a lot of times it ends up with the, the, the person being dead. I mean, that's just the sad reality. So people who think, oh, I can play with Santeria and, or, you know, I can go to a Bruja or even a Culandera that, 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 that could be um, disguising themselves or a medicine person who's on the dark side, they think that they can go to these people who are on the dark side and play with this stuff and get these powers and do all this little goofing around, whatever. Um, a lot of times it, it, there's only one way it's going to end, and that's bad. I mean, and for your physical health, I do believe that you may be able to save the soul, but the, a lot of times the body is lost because those demons are going to abuse and abuse that body until it is nothing but a husk. And, you know, you, when you, when, when this young man did what he did, I hate to say it, but it doesn't sound like it took, you know, I mean, it sounds right. like, well, he, you know, so in, in, in indoctrination to the Christian faith, one of the things that we learn about in spirituality and stuff is, you know, the devil can't reside where Jesus is, right? So if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're safe from the demons, okay? But that is not a biblical concept, okay? There's a specific a specific part in the scriptures where it talks about uh, Lucifer himself coming before God in heaven, 
it's specifically in the book of Job where they're talking about Job and, and they have this thing over Job, right? Like if you're familiar with the story um, where God allows Satan to cause all these tribulations on Job, they're, they're talking together in the same space. They're there, right? So if they can be in that space at the same time in God's throne room or wherever it was this, this conversation was taking place, why would that rule not apply to our our spiritual selves, our souls, our inside? So just because somebody's a Christian or accepts Christ as their Savior and invites the Holy Spirit to live with them, why does that mean a demon can all not also attach themselves to that person or even possess them at times? Yeah, and what and what it you know because invitation is everything. You know, we talk right. about the black eyed kids phenomenon. You were talking about the black eyes. That's very telling that that they also ask for permission. They will Absolutely. be like, "Can I come in? I'm hungry. Can I use the phone?" and 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 they'll ask these questions. And to my que- my answer then would be like, "Heck no, you can't because your eyes are black." Okay, <laughs> it's pretty right. And, and you notice, know, even if like the door is open in the story, and somebody they never try and force their way in. It's never even if there's two or three of them, they're not attacking the person or shoving them out of the way to get in the house. They're sitting there waiting for that invitation, that allowance to come into the house. Yeah, they definitely are waiting for any invitation at all. We just did a absolutely one of these shows about the Ouija board, and that's just like one of the major doors, I believe, that people use absolutely, to I agree. conjure these things up. And for the most part, it seems like the ones that don't really know what they're doing are the ones that get attacked worse than the ones that seem to know what, you know, why they're doing it. Right. Because to, to me, it's, if you know what you're dealing with, you, you have a spiritual wall, so to speak, you, you have that knowledge, you have that defense, you kind of have that awareness of what's going on. And I think that creates a, a bigger challenge, but if you're completely wide open and, and you have no concept and no ideas, of, of what could happen or can happen or what will happen. Uh, it's like all your defenses are lowered. And so that you're just that much easier of a target for them. Yeah. Perfect target. <laughs> yeah. I, I firmly believe that I've never, never been one to do a Ouija board. I've never. Yeah. Me neither. I never even wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I never <laughs> wanted to I, either. I, I stand firm by the fact that it's not just a game, even if Milton Bradley or Parker brothers makes it, you know what I mean? It, it's mm-hmm. way more than that. Uh, I agree completely. That's just just the thought of it actually uh, makes me uneasy. Mm-hmm, just saying the name actually makes me uneasy as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I used I used to buy Ouija boards all the time and give them away as gifts. People I didn't like. I, I, I'm just playing. I didn't. The same thing with those smallpox blankets. I was like, here you go, happy Christmas. Here you go. No, yeah, it'll keep you warm. <laughs> <laughs> and here's some a game to play with you. Play while you're, you know. So, no, one of the things I was going to say um, about what we were talking about now, I went to a Becca school, and you did too, actually, and that's something we have yep. in common. Now, let me people know what that is. It's a torturous school. No, it, I'm just kidding. It, it, it's not fun. It's very hard. You're, we were doing term papers in fifth grade and pre-algebra in fifth grade. Yep. It was ridiculous. It was very, very hard intense. curriculum. Intense. Yeah, intense curriculum, but it was also from a Christian standpoint. But one thing we did have every morning was an assembly. Now, when, and then this assembly, there was there were people who one guy in particular I'll never forget this, and this was when I was doing the pace setter thing with the with the workbooks we were talking about, uh, Justin. Right. Yep. So there was this guy who was you, you work at your own pace, 
yeah, you work at your own pace, but you you pretty much have to work at a furious pace. But I was in <laughs> in sixth grade. I should have been in sixth grade, but I was actually in like tenth because of of the pace system or whatever. And so I ended up advancing because you go year round. I was in summer. I was work. I was doing it all the time. Whatever. And when, when I went to Athens with my dad as a kid, I would, I took my workbook with me and I got a bunch of work done because I couldn't really leave the hotel or do a whole lot. So I ended up like advancing pretty far. So I was with these older kids and one day during assembly, this kid literally falls on the ground. Okay. And starts flopping around like, uh, like a dying fish. It was unreal. And he started going, and that's not making it up. That's a pretty good uh, impression. I'm not real good with animal impressions, as people know from the show. (laughs) You know, I tried to do a banshee, and it sounded terrible. Like, but (laughs) it was the guy, little girl screaming. If I remember Mushu correctly, yeah, it was like (laughs) I couldn't do it, but I can do impressions. But that's not one of them. Like, I can do Optimus Prime, you know, but I can't do that one. But, you know, but this guy, he falls on the ground, he starts flopping around and he was going, you know, making this noise. It sounded almost like a chicken Uh or something. And everybody was like, had their hands up and they were waving around because it it, it is a, almost like a type of Pentecost, you know, Um, and and they were, were praising the Holy, in in Jesus name, the Holy Spirit and everything. And I kept noticing this guy who should have been like a 10th grader, I guess. And I'm like. 11 or something like that and this guy was probably like 15 so he was older than me and he was a bigger stronger kid and he was he would get up and then flop around and then he would start to grab on some of the other kids and pull them down and i'm going like is nobody noticing this guy like this is not to me it did not look like anything from the holy spirit to me and i was going like hello hi somebody this guy brian is like falling around and grabbing people and he didn't get close to me and and I always felt like I was protected like like something was protecting me from that guy because I knew that something was wrong with that guy and eventually one of the teachers she was from Germany we had one from Poland and one from Germany and and the lady from Germany she figured it out she was like something's wrong with this guy she's like something's wrong with this guy literally and she was like telling them to stop hold on this guy was flopping around and it wasn't a seizure you know it was something was wrong with him and then they ushered us all back to class and then some of the elders and the teachers and whatever all got together, the monitors or whatever they call them. And they started praying and trying to help this kid. And he came back to school like a few days later. But then when I remember, like he had another episode where he stood up and started like his head kind of bounced on, on one of the, uh, the little cubicles or whatever. And I heard his thud and I look over and I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? And and I just thought to myself, why is this guy around us? He's possessed. Like he, I, I literally, as a kid, I knew something was wrong with this kid. And I'm like, I'm 11 years old, and I know that this guy is possessed. Like I knew it. And I told one of the teachers, the the the, the German lady's name was Gretchen. I was like, Gretchen, there's something wrong with this guy. I mean, can you not? And she's like, Yeah, I know. I need to do something. <laughs> so she goes and gets the principal, who was a huge guy. He was a big, six foot five, three hundred pound man. And he came in there, his name was Brother Jim, and he helped escort this kid out the back. Uh, we had like a little sports court in the back. And he had to wrestle with this kid. From what I remember, looking out the window with some of the other kids, and we they kept yelling at us, telling us to sit back down in our little cubicles. And I'm like, no, I'm watching this because this is, this is crazy. <laughs> and this grown man was, was like, he was having a hard time like wrestling this this kid. 
And it was like, whoa, dude, you know, I mean, this guy had like superhuman strength or something was going on. And uh, so anyway, he ended up going away and none of the people from the church uh, school ever told us uh, what was the deal. I never did figure that out. I never did find that out. And then I ended up going from there to another school um, in Copeland, Texas later on. But I never got to figure out. I never did find out what was going on with that with that particular kid. And that that's pretty much my experience, I guess, with a possessed person. You know, I learned at an early age that, that you know, he seemed to be a good Christian kid. He seemed to be a pretty good guy. He did go to our church that we went to, and he would always get real, you know, you know, religious. He was very religious. He would always get real into praying and, and worship and, 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 and singing. So I get what you're saying. Like, I mean, you know, I, I think it's all upon you letting it happen or letting it in, how you entertain it and what, you know, what, what you know, it can happen. Right. You know? Yeah. And so it just really scared me, you know, and and you're right about Job. Like I also, I read the book of Job. And one of the things that always disturbed me about the book of Job was when God asks uh, Satan, like, where hath thou been? He says, I have been walking upon to and fro upon and within the earth. Yep. And when he says to and fro upon and within the earth, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I was like, isn't this guy, why is this guy walking? You know, it was, <laughs> that was a question I had for some of the theological uh, people at the church school. At, I call it the church school, the, the Becca school. I was like, <laughs> what, excuse me, can I ask a question about this? And then they, I was rebuked and told that I was, cause I mean, I swear yep. you've been in the Becca school. They're almost like yep. Amish people with electricity. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking it, like this minute. Is what not, it is. You don't question it. This is just what it says. Mm-hmm. And it's authoritarian to the, to the nth degree. Corporal, uh, corporal punishment was pretty common. I mean, it was like you would get spanked for every little thing. And I, I made some mistakes in that school because I questioned a lot of things because I wanted to know, I wanted to be closer to God. I really did. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. Like I was a good kid. No, I'm saying I really did. And I had questions and I wanted to know how to, to accomplish that goal. But, but I had questions about the Bible. I, I didn't just take it at face value because I was thinking, I mean, even as a little kid, like even when I was 11, 12 years old, I was like, this is incomplete. There's something that's not being told here. Who are these giants? Yeah. Okay. That was a big question. And Job, I kept asking like, okay, why this guy went through all this suffering. Of course he came out on the better end of it. And then, and then one of the things that, it, that bothered me was that his wife said, just curse God and die. And then he, and then I thought, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. Then she dies and he gets a, he gets another wife with more land and better, you know, and more children and all this stuff. And I thought, yeah, but he lost his wife and his kids and all this other stuff that went on before that, his land. But then God renewed him and gave him more. Now, as I got older, I learned through having horrible ex-girlfriends that uh, <laughs> losing a bad, a bad spouse or a bad girlfriend is not necessarily the, the worst thing. When God restores you, it gives you something better because... I ended up with with Nellie, who's the love of my life, and I'm glad because if I would have stayed with one of those horrible people, then I would have been. Amen to that. Yeah, so I thought, oh, now I get it. You know, like (laughs) his wife was awful (laughs) because if she would, if she's willing to say that, then first of all, she has no faith, and then second of all, she's not a good person because if you curse God and die, well, that's a one way ticket to hell, and she didn't really care. So 
obviously losing well, her was that, not a big she's loss. Going, she's going, dang it, dude, just die and get over it. Like, like get off of it. Yeah. You know, what kind of, what kind of support of the wife support is that? Is like, that? Seriously, you're going to whine at me? Just, just die. Just yeah. Done with yeah. And, 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 and to you me, know. it was like, you know, if, if a wife is that horrible to tell you to curse God and die, well, then she's not worth anything. And so I realized the whole mm-hmm. lesson there was God gave him more than what he had because what he had wasn't even really correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he obviously had children with this woman that, you know, and this woman was not really a good woman. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, it, there's a big lesson there, but it did disturb me as a child. That that book always disturbed me. There was a couple others that did, too. But uh, like the, like Jonah, you know, being swallowed by a fish or whatever, yeah. that was weird. But the, the, well, the, to me, it's all about perspective. If you're reading it from how we were taught as young kids and some of the stuff is like, OK, that's kind of weird. Right. But if you start reading it as as a spiritual document and, and historical and and truth, like real truth. Right. Mm-hmm. Then then to me, that was the big difference. Like I, I, I was the prodigal son. I went away from the faith for a while on my own. Um, I didn't get into anything other than, yeah, I still believe in God, but whatever at this point, because the God that I see, I don't really like right now. You, you know what I mean? Um, but then when I came back and I, I started really questioning my own spirituality and, and I had experienced things in, in my life and going, how does this all fit with my faith? Right. But then when you start really reading the Bible and reading what it really says, you kind of, I at least was able to put it all together and say, wow, this is actually more real than I ever thought it was. It's not just stories and fairy tales and, 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 and feel goods. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cause we're taught, yeah, it was real, but then you look at it and go, well, how could he live in the belly of a whale for so long and not die because of the digestive juices, right? That's the kind of guy I am. I'm literal. I'm going to go, <laughs> well, where does oxygen, did he eat? Like, did he eat like partially digested fish while he was in there? I mean, those are questions I asked. I did too. I, I did too. I didn't <laughs> you know? ask the exact same questions, but I thought that there had to be some way. How did he live? It was very, very, yeah. uh, yeah, and so when, but when you ask those questions in the Abeka school, you're like, well, don't be asking those questions. You're, you're questioning the faith at that point, as mm-hmm. opposed to accepting the faith. Yeah, you're questioning the doctrine, and 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 from what I've heard, not all Becca schools are the same. Like, it's not a bad system. It was just the the one that I was at. You know, yeah, they they, they you know they're far flung. I think the base is in like Florida or something, like Pensacola, Florida or something. Oh like uh, yeah, Pensacola College, Florida. Yep. You yeah, and so you know you get. Um, you get these weird, like, you know, stories or whatever. I mean, there's, uh, not stories. You get these weird, um, uh, like teachers or whatever that, that, that translate the stories, how they want them translated. And the further away from Rome you get, the less Roman you are. So we never, we didn't have a, a lot of, uh, regulations in place that should have been coming from the, the main offices to check these satellite schools and saying, Hey, this isn't correct. So the one that I was at was very cult-like almost. I mean, I hate to say that's pretty much right. I took an encyclopedia and I brought it to school one day to prove um, a point that I had made in one of my term papers, <laughs> and it was thrown in the trash as heretical. And I'm, th- I'm thinking, okay, you just threw, you know, a 1985 version of because this is you know in the 80s, whatever, and of, of the yeah. Encyclopedia Britannica in the trash. And then I had to have my mom and dad go get it. Because back then, when you bought a set of encyclopedias, an investment, you know, that was our Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. That was Wikipedia. And so that my dad Google. just, just <laughs> he flipped out being a very 
uh, logical and you know thinking person, and he was like, "Okay, those those things cost one hundred and forty five dollars, which back then in the eighties was a lot, you know." So he runs oh, up yeah. to the school and screams and yells, and my dad's <laughs> a large man with with who can be scary and aggressive at times, and they they freaked out and were like, "Okay, sir, we'll replace it." Yeah, and that teacher was like, "You know, she did that and other things, you know." Um, she found a book of dinosaurs on me, which was like contraband and she threw it away and it was a Christmas gift and I couldn't get it replaced, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it was things that were going on there that were just ridiculous. You know, once I moved over to the pace system, it was like, I, I, I excelled and I did a lot better, but, um, you know, you, you, and you went to a campus that was actually like, I think you learned at the school, right? Like you were at the school. Right. Yeah. So the, the school base, uh, we used, uh, a Becca as our curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was taught by Christian teachers that actually had teaching degrees and were actual teachers and, and, uh, missionary teachers, you know, that was their, their mission job was to take care of us, the MKs, the missionary kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ABECA was our, our program, our correspondence basically that we followed for that. We used videotapes so was, and we sat in cubicles. Uh, I don't recall much of that. It was definitely... Yeah classroom teaching for us yeah see and we watched you guys that were in the classrooms we watched videotapes of of you guys in the classrooms and we 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 followed (laughs) along yeah that's how it was like there were these classes and you had the fifth grade class and you had the sixth grade class and whatever and i remember watching uh these kids being videotaped and i thought man that's weird like they have a camera on them the whole time you know and then we get the videotapes from the fall, the next year. So those kids, when I was in fifth grade, they would have already been in sixth grade and we were watching and we followed along. And then in sixth grade, we followed that same class, you know? Huh. So it was pretty yeah, interesting. We didn't, do it, we didn't do it like that. That's interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and then, the, then we went to the pace system, which was way cooler. Cause then you could, you could advance. I thought I was going to graduate at the age of 13 or 14, which I could have, but I ended up not being able to, but my dad wanted me to, to play sports and, and be, have a social life. So I went to regular public school, which was hard for me at first because, which led into me getting into a lot of fights and things because I was a weirdo kid who didn't have a lot of social skills, you know? And they were just like, who's this weird kid? You know? And like, I I had to, you know, learn to, you know, and they would cuss (laughs) and say all kinds of crazy stuff. And I was like, wow, dude, that's so bad. You know? And uh, <laughs> yep. I learned, that, you know, and then, you know, going from there, uh, like you were talking about kind of being backslid, dude, I was, a, let me be real honest. I was like a damn gangster downtown doing what I was doing. I look back at my life and I thought, dude, who was that? Who is that kid, that 11 year old kid that I remember being like this really studious Christian, whatever, and going to being like doing what I was doing. And I, I just remember crying at night sometimes and thinking, I don't want to be like this, but you're, you're caught up in that whirlwind and you can't get out, you know? Absolutely, man. I feel that a hundred percent. But God delivered me. And, um, but I did, I did come across people when I was doing, when I was living that, that life, as they say, I was about that life. I was that thug life. And when I was living yep. like that, I came across people who had, uh, they were into that stuff like voodoo and, and Santaria and Santa Muerta and all this. And I was threatened with it all the time. And I always poo-pooed it and was like, yeah, whatever, dude. Because I always felt in my heart that God loved me and I loved God and that I would I would someday figure out a way to return and, right. and return yeah. to my faith. And I did. I feel like I did, you know, and, and I've I've reinforced it with Nellie being in my life. And so, you know, when me and you had our conversation about the possession and all that, and we had this long conversation, 
it was very it was very interesting. I felt a kinship to you because we we both went through a lot of the similar things. Of course, your childhood was very different than mine. You grew up in a jungle, you know. And uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it had to have been the, the the most different childhood. I grew up in the sticks running around with no shoes all the time, but not like you did. I wasn't living in no Amazon jungle. Um but I did go there when I was an o- older, when I got older and I was looking for, you know, adventure or whatever. I wasn't on adventure, but whatever. And I ended up kind of, yeah. you know, in opposite ends of our lives. And then we came full circle and now you're here talking, you know, and then, but the the one thing I wanted to say though, like, you know, when we were back to what we were talking about with Job, um, one of the things I, I look at, at, at that, and when he says that he was walking upon the earth, that tells me that he was literally walking with earthly feet upon the earth. I mean, um, you know, that's yeah, what I, I mean, that's why what not? I, why not? I mean, that's what I took it. And I just thought <laughs> this is weird. Like, so, you know, and then we talked about in our conversation, we talked about how Lucifer himself is not necessarily the, the, the be all end all. I mean, there, there are, I believe, um, and my, my friend, the late Brenton Sawin, I, I respectfully disagreed with him. You know, I like Brenton a lot. He's a good guy. He was a friend of mine. I disagree with his his when he says that the devil doesn't divide his kingdom. I don't think it's up to him, honestly. I, I this, this sounds weird, but uh, to the average Christian, but I don't. I think that there's many different factions within evil, because I think what makes evil itself weak, and what it is, is that that there is nothing but backbiting, undermining, and disloyalty. And I, right. and, I and I say well, that, I mean, that with, that's the basis of the fall in the first place, anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Is pride and trying to take power from somebody else. So. If that's what your leader does, your underlings are going to follow that anyway, right? So your your natural reaction is to have splinter groups and, and and factions come up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because I know that there was a a Sufi mystic, and that I was reading about, and he he said that you know, of course, in his what he was doing was not correct, but mm-hmm. you know, he's he's talking about conjuring up uh, these types of demons to get rid of other demons, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. So then you just have a bigger, stronger demon on top of you. <laughs> Right. You yeah. Know, so I mean, overpowering him with something even worse. Yeah. How is that the solution? You know, it's like you choose between fascism and communism. Well, how about neither one? You know, because both of them are evil <laughs> yeah. and I don't want to deal with it. So, yeah, you can scream anti fascist all day, but at the end of the day, you're a communist. So, how is that better? You know, I mean, right. you know, or vice versa. You know, it's like, I don't really, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to die of the flu or you're going to die of COVID. Take your, take your pick. You know, well, how about we not have either right. one? I'd like to not have cancer or AIDS. That'd be great, you know. But I mean, yeah, but, but I I was arguing with someone one day and they said, well, it's all the same. I said, yeah, it is all the same. I do agree with that. I mean, you're in one gang or the next, I mean, whether you're in the 10th street posse or the 16th street crew, whatever, it's the same to me. I'm not in either one. They're not me. You know, it's like a crip and a blood. And if I see a crip and a blood fighting, that's not my fight. That's between that domestic squabbles between them. You know, I'm not either one of those. So what I'm what I'm talking about is is you know though when people all put it into one like there's this one group that's in charge of all this whatever you know and then we talked about the different gods that that, that reign throughout the different empires or whatever but it's ultimately all the same crap to me they're not my god and they're all they they can fight each other till you know Jesus returns that doesn't matter to me who's in charge or who's who the bottom line is they're not me and I don't serve any of those. You know, right, exactly. I serve the King of Kings yeah. and the Lord of Lords, and that's it. And that's and that's all there is to it. And in my faith is what it is. It's it's ground. I'm grounded in that faith. I'll, I'll die for my faith. I don't care. And there's no one that's ever going to change that. 
You know, it's going to be ingrained in me till the day I die. I mean, that's, that's it. And God will, will judge me and he'll send me where I need to go. If he deems that I'm, I'm, I'm worthy to go to heaven or if I have to do it again, or if I have to go to hell, whatever, that's his, that's his, uh, choice and I'll, I'll accept it. Um, but I hope that, that God will accept me for, for who I am. And, you know, so I, I really think that there's a message there, you know, with this whole, the demonic possession thing. I mean, the the demonic realm as we know it i mean you know it's like we know so little about it and messing around with stuff you know these people will say well i know what kind of demon that is you really don't i mean because don't they're know. tricksters yeah they're <laughs> going to lie to you and tell you i could tell you that i'm the ghost of of joseph stalin's you know unborn baby and yeah. whatever it doesn't matter it doesn't make it true i could scream it till my ears bleed it doesn't make it true you know, I mean, right, I can exactly. say whatever I want. I can say I'm the reincarnation of Alexander the Great. That doesn't make it true. But demons, demons thrive on lies and half truths and whatever. And so, right. When, well, when if, 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 if knowledge is, is truth is knowledge and knowledge is power, they're not going to give you any power mm-hmm. for sure. You know, what I mean, they're not going to give you the mm-hmm. truth for, and then give you knowledge that power over them. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and, and doing, trying to manipulate and do sorcery and things like that. Um. We are in a physical body, okay, and, and we look through the glass darkly. And when you're trying to see and make out what's on the other side, um, it, it's one of the most difficult things you can do. And to sit there and, and try to tamper with it or mess with it, you know, or, in, or, or worse, be inviting of these things, dude. It is like absolute mm-hmm. destruction of your body, and it, and it, which is the temple, is your body. And then, of course, in, you're, you're sending yourself to hell. And yep. I, I feel for that young man that did what he did, but the bottom line is, I mean, in all honesty, he brought it upon himself. I mean, his own destruction pretty much was sealed when he, and bless those people that were trying to help him and pray for him and, and bring the Holy Spirit up uh, onto him. But, you know, him not getting, if, if, it di- if it didn't take and it didn't work, well, you know, at the end of the day, or if it returns, it's on him. I mean, yeah. you have no well, one to blame but yourself. The Bible talks about casting out a demon and him going out and finding seven more stronger than himself and coming back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and causing more chaos than original. Yeah. Uh, you, and, know, you know, and also, it, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Also, it speaks about like um, those that you know aren't don't have their heart in the right place when they try to cast out demons. The demon themselves will attack that person. So yes. you have to be Very right. True. The in, late Malachi Martin talks about that. He talks yep. about a priest. And then you that, even have the, the class of demons where even Jesus says, this kind you can only cast out with extreme fasting and praying. Yeah, You can't even just cast them out normally. So, I mean, right there, it even talks about different types and categories and, and strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, th- there was there was this one episode I, I, I listened to. I think it was on Coast to Coast. It was Malachi Martin. Uh, he the, the father of Malachi Martin was, was very uh, astute about that stuff. And he had this priest with him when they were doing an exorcism and this demon literally ripped open his anus. Like it, it did tore him open. Like it, you know, and I mean, physically, yeah, yeah, it physically did that to him. And it was like, well, to me, I mean, it may, it makes you think, I mean, like if it's able to do that to you, I mean, what, you know, what are you dealing with? I mean, the best, uh-huh. the, the, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of proof. I mean, if you if you a pound of a cure, I'm sorry. So I mean, if if you're if you're dealing with these things, you know, and you're already you're in the muck fighting with them because you've brought it. I mean, I'm telling you, that's that's a horrible horrible thing to do. I mean, you, you, it's like you're 
half of the battle is already over with and done because you've given them the power. And right. I, and in my life, and I'm not going to talk about being a tough guy because people seem to, to, to they, they don't really understand it or believe it because they don't, they don't know me, but people that right. do know me, know me, this is very true. I've had lots of fights in my life with families. And what I mean by that is like, I mean, it's like, okay. And I'll explain what this has to do with this. There were families. I mean, like in my life, in, in my life, I've fought families, like in my hometown, people will be like, oh yeah, he's the guy that fought. I don't want to mention the family's name, but there were two families in particular, two Mexican families that were very large and had lots of males in their family. And I fought all of them. I mean, I'm talking like every time I saw one in a convenience store at the Texaco or the stop and go or whatever, we'd be fighting. And I fought these, this whole family and I fought another family. And then there was a, a family, a group of, they were white families like rednecks. When I was younger, I was fighting them all the time. And then there was, there was an African-American family here in Austin when I was going to school here. I got embroiled in that because a buddy of mine who actually ended up going to the NFL, he's a friend of mine, was always fighting with them. And I ended up having to help him. And I ended up fighting with that, that whole family. One would get their, their, their butt kicked. They would go and they would get two of their friends or their brothers or their cousins. And it was just a never ending battle. And I was like, never ending cycle. Yep. You open up that Pandora's box and you fight the this family and you fight an entire family and then they just keep bring keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and it gets exhausting everywhere you go you see one of them and then eventually maybe they'll chill out because they're tired of getting beat up and then <laughs> yeah. eventually that's what happened like they just got tired of fighting me so I, I was I was at the gas station one day and and there was this young guy there and he was a young kid and he was one of those family members but he was on the new generation and uh, he kind of gave mm-hmm. me a sideways glance, and then I went up to the uh, Legion Hall where I was. <laughs> there's that word Legion. <laughs> I go up to the Legion Hall <laughs> to to do my got my job, and I dropped off my nephew, and my brother, and they can attest to this. And the kid came in there, and he was kind of looking at me, and I see. He said, "I saw you at the gas station earlier." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." And he goes, "You look familiar." And he goes, "Do they call you Wolf?" And I said, "Yeah, they do." He goes, "Yeah, you fought my uncles." And I thought, "Oh God, here we go. This young guy." Wearing these baggy clothes, yep. he might pull out a pistol. I don't know this kid. And I said, okay, look, take it easy, kid. I, that was a long time. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, no, dude, you, that's it's all good. He goes, it's squashed, man. He goes, my uncles talk about you. He's like, my cousins talk about you. He goes, dude, it's like you're a legend. And, and he's right. In my hometown, like I am, I've I've beat the crap out of a lot of people. <laughs> and anybody from my hometown can attest to that. Nellie can tell you, like, she's talked to a lot of people that's not that's not make believe. She thought when I when we first got together, I would tell her these stories. You thought it was like fantastical, right, honey? You thought, she thought I had like I thought some, I had a mental <laughs> issue. <laughs> <laughs> you, you met people though mm-hmm. over and over again. Yes, I have. Like everybody I have met that knows him has let me know. Actually, he downplays um, his life. <laughs> I do. And, th- and that's, that sounds ridiculous, but I actually do. I don't hype it up because on, on the, on the show, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of like, you know, whatever, but I try to explain to people because there's a lot of things I'd like to talk about, but people don't really get it. They just don't get it. Yeah. And so uh, I think I get, I get that. <laughs> yeah. People are born with certain gifts. And one of mine was, is to be able to, to physically dispatch people, you know? And so that was one thing that I was given a gift of. And and so when this kid started talking to my nephew, my my brother, he started telling stories about me. And I'm thinking, wow, this kid actually knows. He was like 21, you know, and he knew a lot of these stories. And he says, yeah, my Uncle John, I just said his name. But anyway, John and, and you know, and this other guy, 
And he goes, they told me, you know, he goes, you were, you, you were the only guy that ever was able to do that, you know? And he goes, and they, they talk about you like it's, it's in awe, you know? I mean, you right. know, not his exact words, but he was saying that it, they were in awe of, of what I was able to do. And to that day, 20 years later, they were still talking about the, the one guy that they couldn't do, they couldn't stop. You know, yeah. but the, the, what it has to do with what we're talking about is that's very much like the demonic realm. If you fight with one of them, they're going to bring another one and another one and another one and another one. And you and you better be ready to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And the best thing you can do is stay prayed up and be within the spirit because you can't just can continue to fight forever. For me, it was finally over because humans at some point will eventually cede to the, you know, and be like, I'm done, you know. But the demonic yeah. realm is not that way. The only way, there is only one way, folks, and that's through Christ. That is through God, through the power of the Holy yep. Spirit. That is the only chance you have. I don't care who you are. If you don't like what I'm saying, you don't have to tune in. But I'm telling you the absolute truth. There is only one way. The and, truth and is the truth. The truth is the truth. I mean, you can only fight these these demons. You can only stop them one way. You can circumvent. You can, you know, twist and turn. But it takes prayer and it takes faith and it takes a lot of yep. understanding. And and if you don't know what you're dealing with, you know, I mean. You can it, get hurt. Oh, yeah. And to me, like when you were talking about the demons saying, well, I'm envy, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, I'm whatever the different traits were, you know. Uh, yeah, that that's cute, but that's not really who you are. That's what you represent. You know, that's like me saying I'm PRT. Right. Well, I'm not PRT. I'm Josh Turner. You know, I'm Wolf. That's right. who I am. I'm not PRT. So it's like, you know, if you were battling with these 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 demons and they just started saying their names, you know, as their group or whatever, you know, or what their occupation is, that's not really, that's their favorite sin or whatever. That's not who they are. So to get to the right, root, you exactly. have to get to the name of these demonic entities. And I, I really feel for that young man. But by the same token, you know, he had to have known the price. There's a price you pay to do these things and to commit this sin and, and have these, wow, okay, you can make fan blades turn around and you can get laid. Whoopie do. <laughs> I mean, you know, I got a friend who's an electrician that could do that for me right now. And, you know, I mean, that's like whoopie, he'd go turn the, look, look, I can make the fan blades turn the other way. Amazing. You know, like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I yeah. mean, that that's, that's your, that's the, the culmination. Of, and then for all eternity, you're doomed. Like, I mean, no way, Jose. That's not well, something it, I want. It makes you wonder what, what drove the kid to that point. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's what, what's the deeper thing? Like, what made him go, man, my life is so horrible. I, I just wish I could have some kind of power of, over something, some kind of control over something. And I'm willing to give up myself for that. You know, like, what kind of despair did he actually have to be in to, to do that? Or was it more of a trickery thing, right? If you're getting involved in a religious aspect, you're looking at voodoo or all this stuff where it could be totally couched and, and, not even knowing what you're doing, like playing the Ouija board. And all of a sudden you're opening yourself up to it. You know what I mean? Right. The backstory has always fascinated me on that as to what really happened leading up to that. And mm -hmm. I'll never know. Well, maybe he just had a spirit of, you know, he was just wanted power or something. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's people out there that, that just do it because they, they are innately evil. And they just yep. want to control other people or they just want to have power over somebody else, which is, I, I can't wrap my head around that, honestly, because I, I don't know how to, how does that thinking even works. But as far as all that, the demonology stuff goes, I try to stay clear of that because it is dangerous. It is real. And I am by myself not equipped. I, I believe through my, my 
belief I am, but my myself and my flesh and blood is not equipped to, to deal with that at all. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And here's how I come to terms with it personally. And again, it's a personal thing for everybody. You got to figure out how it works for you. You know, um, I, I came to terms long ago that I have no power over that, but you know, Jesus does and I belong to him. So and I'm not afraid of it because I know who wins in the end. And that's my side. That's um, how I feel too. So yes. I, I, <laughs> I'm willing to face anything that's thrown at me. I'm definitely not going to go looking for it um, and, and get myself involved in it. But I'm not afraid to face anything that comes at me because I already know I'm on the winning side. And what's the worst they can do to me is, is what kill me. Right. That's and, how I feel too. And then, then I go to heaven. So, hey, you know. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to have to face it if I don't have to, you know. And I, <laughs> right. I actually exactly. find comfort in, um, I believe that, you know, uh, where we fall short of the glory and, and I just, uh, we will never make it on our own, our own good deeds. Yeah, so it, God knows our heart. So I'm hoping, you know, <laughs> that that's, that's going to help me because I don't think I'm, I, I'm an evil person, you know, so. No, I but, mean, I don't. So, so that, that, that's, that's that part of the, the possession part. We kind of got off on all these tangents, but sorry. no, no, no. What are you sorry for? Mm -hmm. Me, I'm the one that did it. I'm the one that got off and the tangent. You'd be sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks, if I got too far <laughs> off or whatever. But when we, what we do on this show, folks, too, is like, we're just having a conversation with this guy. We're having a discussion. I'm enjoying mm -hmm. this discussion. And, and, and so when we talk about these things, you're getting the real me, you're getting the real Justin, you're getting Nelly. We're, we're here talking and we're just postulating and talking about different, different things, you know, subjects, and we're, we're, we're going over it and discussing it. And these are truths that Justin has, has brought to us and we're, we're discussing them. The, the other thing you had told me that you had, you had had an, a, a situation with a, with something else. There was a green, you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, the, the, the plasma ball, as I call it. Um, it, it was just a, a really weird happened out of the blue, so to speak. Um, it was in the first week of January. Uh, this would have been back somewhere around 10, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Somewhere in there, I can't pinpoint, pretty close. So I know it was in the first week of January, because I made note of that. Um, it was early morning, probably about 1, one thirty in the morning, give or take. I was coming home from work. I was working at a call center at the time in Wisconsin, uh, so it was very cold out, winter, um, and I was in a metropolitan area, uh, kind of northeast Wisconsin, uh, just driving home, and there was a big city, not huge skyscrapers, we're not talking like downtown Madison or anything, right, but just, just big business buildings, um, and I was just driving along, kind of tired, just doing my thing, and I noticed there was a quick, big green flash of light. And it caught my attention, so I started paying attention and looking around. I didn't see anything. Uh, everything was black. Everything was dark. But then in front of me, all of a sudden lit up was this huge fireball, for lack of a better term. But it, it was green, like glow-in-the-dark green in color. It was absolutely massive, okay? Um, the, the business buildings were in front of it, and you could see the entire outline of the business building lit up within this fireball. Um, it was going on a downward angle. As it passed behind the buildings, it winked out again. Um, but then it came up again really, really bright and flared and then disappeared again. And that was it. Um, it definitely had the shape of, of a moving fireball. The front end was rounded. It had the trail on the back end of it, like the flames coming off of it. 
Um, it wasn't an explosion. There was no sound. Um, it, it looked like fire, but almost more liquidy. That's why I call it more plasma. Um, it, it was huge. It was massive. Uh, but I didn't hear anything about it. I, I looked on the news. I read newspapers. Um, over the years, I've looked online. Um, I've talked to other people involved in, in paranormal and weird aerial phenomenon, and nobody has ever been able to describe or even come close to anything like I saw. Um, and it was just over a course of a few seconds, and it was done. But it was absolutely amazing and a complete mystery. And I, I can still see it clear as day in my head. Um, you know, even even 10 some years later, it was just absolutely amazing to me to see this and then have absolutely zero clue as to what it could be. I can't even I can't even begin to try to just to even no idea. I've heard I've heard things Nothing. like that. I've heard of ball <laughs> lightning and I've heard of people uh-huh. getting chased by orbs, you know, things like that. Different colors, green and blue. Um, we can do a whole show on that, right, honey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that that's pretty crazy, man. And you don't you don't even begin to try to to, to give a explanation or a theory. Or theory not theory not at all. <laughs> There's, I mean, so over the years, you look at things like oh, swamp gas got lit up, blah blah blah, right? But no, this was on a downward angle. This wasn't anything lit up and erupting from the ground, right? It wasn't an orb. It was definitely not a spiritual type entity thing. It wasn't a lightning thing. Um, there was no, no sound, no heat. There wasn't the erratic movement of electricity, um, like ball lightning. If you ever see the videos, you see it crackling and sparkling, even though it's in a form, nothing like that whatsoever. Um, and it wasn't, it was bright, but it was like a muted bright. That's why I say it was like glow in the dark, right? So glow in the dark is a light, but it's muted. It's not a bright light. It doesn't hurt your eyes or anything like that. And that, that's what it was. Um, it had the shape to it. You can see the movement to it. It went from my upper left visual field to the lower right visual field. Um, absolutely nothing I can come up with have I oh. found over the years of researching stuff. How close was it to you? Um, I, I couldn't say. Um, I know it was far enough away to be behind the buildings. Um, but as far as distance, given the size, how it was, I, I couldn't even conjecture if it was two miles or five miles or 20 miles. I, I couldn't, couldn't even say, um, it was pitch black on a, on a January evening. So I couldn't really have a, a distance relation other than the, the silhouette of the buildings. Did anything happen to you afterwards that had so, any kind of significance that maybe it was, a an omen or maybe? No, no after effects. Um, there, there was that incident during that time where we had a miscarriage, but I don't connect the two events at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't even know chronologically which would have happened first. I just know it was in that same time frame. We were living in the same house. I had the same job. Um, but I can't correlate the two at all. Because I don't necessarily um, think that orbs are bad or, you know, lights. And I think that they're... I've always assumed that they were trying to communicate some, you know, like their communicators and perhaps maybe if this was after the miscarriage, then maybe it was the baby trying to contact you. I don't know. It, yeah. I, again, chronologically, I, I really don't even know where to place it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to, to really go back and kind of dig up 
some painful memories in there. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no. Don't do that. Yeah, and, and one of the things I was going to say is just the other day, um, say like maybe a week ago, we in a clear sky, no. Uh, was it was it was it over a week ago? I mean, we had some storms, but it was on, it was it was a day where it was clear. There was no storms. There was nothing. There was nothing in the sky, and there was two bright blue flashes, which you would attribute to to lightning. But there was no lightning. A lot of people saw it. A yeah, a lot of people saw that. My 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 brother and, and a couple of other guys that work for us were out on post, and they said that they saw a blue flash and then another blue flash. And it, and it was like they didn't see lightning anywhere. It was just like a – well, then one guy claimed that he saw, like, something blue go across the sky. Like, it was weird. I mean, they told us this. And then our electricity went out in this whole area where we where are, like, all of North Austin. It was unreal. And I know my guards over at Topgolf claimed that they saw that, too, like a blue flash in the sky. Then the electricity went out, and everybody was like, whoa, what was that? And everybody was, like, talking about it. And then their backup generators came on, and, they, and their electricity came on, but everybody else was still uh, dark. Our electricity went out. Yeah, and our electricity went out for like an hour, and I immediately was like, honey, I'm hot. Start fanning me. And she did, and I survived. <laughs> no air conditioning. That's horrible. Yeah, she went outside and got the palm leaves, and you know, I'm just kidding, honey. Actually, no, I was, you're not. Actually, I was everything. fanning you. <laughs> she was like, I'm dying over here. <laughs> I need ice cream. Like, oh, now you want the ice cream. It's melted. No, but it was it was very weird. It was a very weird uh, situation. I don't know what to make of that. I mean, it was just so so bizarre. And then my brother was like, I saw two blue like flashes in the sky, but there was no lightning. It was a clear sky. I mean, oh. there was nothing. There was no. There was nothing. I don't know what it was. It, it maybe week two weeks ago. I don't remember exactly when. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't during all the storms and all that. So I, I, so I don't know what to make of it. It was, it was just a weird incident. And then when, you know, you got two of your guards telling you that they saw it too. And then the guard at Topgolf saw it and, and all the people at Topgolf and, you know, they were just like, what was that? You know, it was so weird. And then that well, same that's night. What you would expect in that kind of size of an event though. You would expect lots of people to be like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan, a friend of ours, uh, Ryan Trembley, he had said that that same night that when we had talked to him later on that night and he was like, dude, something weird happened. Uh, there was a flash in the sky. And I'm like, what? But he, he lives in Arizona. So I was like, Whoa, that's so weird. Like, you know, so we were talking and, and it was just, it was just a weird thing. I don't know how to explain that. You know, it was just bizarre. Well, but, if I was to look at the event and then the after effects, that really sounds to me like an EMP event. That's what I said. <laughs> Absolutely. But with the, the flash and, and, but no, no sound wave with it or, or no shock wave or anything like that. I mean, yeah. that, and then the power going out. Mm-hmm. Y'all are so stupid. That, that sounds like <laughs> y'all are EMT so event. stupid. How can EMTs, how can EMTs do that? They, they <laughs> arrive on the scene and save people's lives. How are they going to put your power out? Oh, I'll listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> he, folks, they're talking about EMPs, not EMT. I'm joking. All right. I'm not, Are you sure? I don't know. I'm pretty <laughs> dumb. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here. <laughs> well, I'm from Texas and I don't go, hey, her, 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 her. So I don't know. I mean, am I dumb? I don't know. <laughs> but so I guess is, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we close out here? Um, you know, that was the general of it. There, there was a couple of different 
things that have come up. One specifically that has been kicked around a lot is this whole shadow man thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and after talking the other night, it, it came to mind. Um, I, I see shadows all the time. I don't claim they're shadow men. Um, I just see movement in shadows as just part of my everyday life. So that doesn't phase me. But specifically, there was a house we lived in, um, again, back in Wisconsin. Um, weird Wisconsin, guys, I'm telling you. There's a lot of there stuff that is. happens up there that's just creepy. <laughs> First, I wanted um, to tell you, we though. We just purchased the Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to tell you, I mean, one of the things that, that you, I can easily explain the shadow. See, we have this thing when you walk and you look down that dark image of you, that's your shadow. Yes. Well, I know what my shadow is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because you said you see your shadow. But it's somebody time. else's unattached shadow that's kind of bothering <laughs> and me. And I'm messing with you. I'm trying to put some levity here because shadow stuff oh, scares people, great. dude. No, dude, it really does scare people. Like I, I have gotten yeah. so many emails from people that say, when we start talking about the shadow people, that they it freaks them out, and then it's it's just a freaky subject, and people well, are like it's the unknown, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, so it doesn't scare me anymore. I got used to it. Um, so go ahead, Justin. And I'm not seeing I'm not seeing like full on bodies. You know what I mean? Um, I, I see movement. I see flashes of this, flashes of that. Right. So again, it doesn't really bother me a whole lot. Uh, but this particular one was not my experience. It was actually my wife and my oldest son. Um, when we lived in this house, um, I'd go to work, I'd come back home and they'd tell me that they had seen this guy would come up to the, our fence on our property and just kind of lean on the fence and watch, look into the house and then leave. But I asked them to describe this guy and they couldn't, they just said, we don't know. He's just wears a black coat and has a black hat, like a, a old cowboy hat. Um, but not quite a cowboy hat, but kind of like a wide brim hat. But he wore a big black duster and, and he would just lean on the fence and then they could never see his face, which was weird. Um, sometimes he just walked by the house and look at the house and then that was it. Um, but me being already into all the weird stuff that I've I've studied since I was a kid, I automatically pegged it. Well, that's a hat man. That's a shadow man. What did you do like with, you know, when, when you've learn you figured out what it was well uh one of the first things we did is we put up crosses over the doors um not that the crosses themselves we believe hold any any value uh but they're a symbol of our faith and we felt that was just the best thing to do um symbols of faith and be really powerful in, in the spiritual world um i don't believe in an object itself having that power i think it's what that object represents this is really where the power comes from um, so we did that and we prayed blessings over our property. I walked around our property line and prayed over it. Um, each and in individual bedrooms, uh, the windows and all the entrances to the house, um, things like that, just to basically cover our bases. Um, that pretty much stopped it. I think he was seen maybe a couple more times, um, spread out, but he never stopped and, and like leaned on the fence and stared at the family anymore. Um, it was just kind of from that point on, it was, it was pretty much dealt with. And we never had to worry about him again. Uh, but it was very unique because both my wife and my oldest son, uh, he would have been probably about four or five at the time, um, both admitted to seeing this guy at different times. Sometimes uh, my son would see him uh, sitting out there and my wife wouldn't or vice versa. But it was definitely something um, that kind of creeped out the family. But once we took care of it spiritually, it seemed to take care of it for us. So, um, so that was an interesting thing. Did they ever give a description? Like, I mean, like, like in detail? No, they said they couldn't. Other than the fact that he was dressed all in black, 
with the, the trench coat and the, the kind of wide brim old hat. I could never get a description of a face. I couldn't even get a description of, of skin color or anything like that. They just said he was all in black. That's all we, that's all we know. So I don't know if it was, that's all their mind would, would comprehend from it or that's all they could see or if it was a true shadow where all they saw was black. So they just interpreted it as black clothes. I was really never to pin it down because they couldn't, they didn't have the words to describe it to me. Was this done during the daylight or the night or both? Daylight hours, definitely daylight. Yep. Daylight. Then they should have been able to and see then, more than just black. Exactly. When I, when I was working at a bank building downtown, um, I, I'm going to talk about this at some point. It, it's it's one of the only paranormal stories that I have nobody in my life that can back it up or verify. That's the only thing about it. Ninety percent of what's happened to me in my in my life with the paranormal, I can I can have people that can vouch for it. People that were around at that time, I have no idea where they're at. They were guards that I worked with when I was just working as a young man. But there was an entity that I saw once in a dream, and then when I opened my eyes, he was standing there, and he had a hat that reminds me of the Hat Man. But he wasn't a shadow. I saw his. I saw the whole image of this guy. Mm. I mean, it was, and I'll get into that one day, folks, when, I, when we talk about the bank tower. It was a, uh, yeah, it was, that that was a crazy, I mean, I don't even know how to describe what all went on there. And you know, without sounding like a lunatic myself, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to do it, though. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to talk about it. And then one day people are going to look at all my paranormal experiences and think, man, this guy's insane. But the, the bottom line is I can bring several people to to attest to the things that have happened in my life. You know, for the most part, ninety percent of it. But yeah, that that was something that I just you know it always made me wonder if the Hat Man, if that if I saw what he really was that that day. I only saw right. I only saw him once in, in my waking life and twice in a dream. But um, yeah, that the Hat Man is something that's terrifying. I mean, it's a scary thing. See, and that's something I myself have never ever seen, even with with seeing shadows and movements and stuff. I've never seen anything I would classify as a hat man ever. Um, and I, I remember finding pictures of, of what people would say online was the hat man. I'd show my wife and she'd be like, Oh, that's really close, but it's just not quite right. So even then she was really unsure. It was just kind of like, is it this? Did it look like this? And she's like, you know, close, but that's still not quite right. But she can never tell me what wasn't right about it. It just wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. The look wasn't quite right. Well, lucky you, Justin. It's nice to be bragging about it. Okay. You're like, I've never seen that. You guys are the ones that had to go through all that. Might want to seek That's professional right. help. <laughs> the, oh, the hat man is not something I play around with. I no. can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. I, I I could do a show on just hat man stories I've gotten. Well, you should. And, well, I am. We are. Get on that. We are. I will. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. You want to know the truth, though? Do it, then. It, it, it scares me. Yeah, because it, I told you, like I had an encounter with whatever that no, I, 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 I think it, you know. Please, I don't want to think about that right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it does scare me. And some, some, some subjects, you know, when you start delving into them and doing the research, it's nightmare inducing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least for me, yeah. everybody else is like, "This is great entertainment. I like this guy's stories." <laughs> As they eat popcorn, I'm over there not sleeping for two days. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you're happy, people. I'm glad you're happy. <laughs> Meanwhile, a halfway I'm glad decent happy man. Too. A halfway decent man is suffering. Okay. Anyways, Justin, we appreciate you being on the show. Thank yes. you for your time. 
Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, it was a pleasure to, to, to talk to you the other day. We ended up like having this long conversation about <laughs> everything from history to freaking geology. It was, it's unreal. I would like to hear more about your life in the jungle. I mean, that sounded cool. The life in the jungle was like the Robinson Crusoe. I mean, yeah. that's, but you watch, people are going to be like, well, the first hour is just him talking about the Amazon. There were no uh, decapitations by Bigfoot. There were no ghosts no. eating people. Well, no. This... But I mean, there was a lot of cool information that was done, yeah. that was ditched that was dished out there. So, And it's funny because I don't generally talk about it a whole lot simply for the fact that to me, it, it's mundane. It, it's, you know, you guys grew up where you grew up and to you, yeah, that was my childhood. Okay. And for that's how it was for me. But other people always seem to be fascinated by it where I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I grew up in the jungle and, and. I ate weird things and I had weird pets and I had weird things happen, but that was my life. So what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, I grew up in the desert. It's not the yeah, same. Well, me and Nellie's <laughs> childhoods were pretty mundane, I guess. I, I mean, like people I've had, I, I lived in a couple of places that I know were haunted and I saw weird stuff, but it wasn't to the extent of like, I was talking with my friend squid one day and he was talking about, you know, like he goes, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. I lived in a haunted house and my alarm clock would go off and my toys got moved around and all this stuff. And he looked over at me and I was like, well, good luck with all that. <laughs> well, you do <laughs> know that like alarm clocks are supposed to go off. So. He was waiting for confirmation of something for me to go, wow, dude, that's that, that stuff happened to me too. And I, cause I had led him into it and I was like, right. nah, my child was, was happy. I didn't have demons and shit. Right around. <laughs> he was like, Really, dude? I was like, no, no. I was just, I was like, I'm joking. I did have some stuff happen. I was just checking to see, you know, see what you were, you know, where your I pulse had some was on this. Crazy stuff happened when I was a kid, like highly unexplainable and very blatant. But like, you're you in are your face stuff. Not willing to talk about it just yet. Not completely. Not yet. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and and I think we're experiencers. I think that's why we've had these experiences. Me and my wife, we've had we we found each other and we've had a lot of weird experiences. And so that being said, Justin, you were a good guest. And if you want to come back on sometime and just co-host with us and shoot Please the breeze do. with us as we tell stories, that would be great. Sure. Anytime. And whenever we can fit into our schedules and make it work, I'm open for it. Yeah. So folks, for, for, from me, from Nelly, from Justin, wherever you're at, from whatever spaceship you're being probed by aliens, whatever chip they're putting in your eyeball, I, I'm sorry for that, but uh, wherever you're listening, from whatever tree you're hiding up from the reptilians, good night.